Hello and welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast. We're back. It's uh, been a long time and an awful lot has happened since we last did a show, so there's loads to talk about as we approach the business end of the season. My name's Sam Steen and joining me this week are Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Anthony Kelly's there as well. Hi, Ant. How we doing, lads? And Colin Buig. Hi, Colin. Hello, all. Right, well, as usual, uh, let's start with moment of the week. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but what's the best thing that's happened in football over the last while, Peter? Uh, well, I'm just going to... Well, first of all, I think we'd all just like to say uh, congratulations to you, Sam, for having your first kid. Well, yeah, done. that has Connor, been... Be good, to know the, good to know the balls work. It is uh, it's, <laughs> it's very gratifying to know that they're working. And uh, yeah, he, he watched his first game the other day. It was uh, an exciting nil-nil draw, but we'll take that. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go with the with, with kind of stick with the moment of the week. So kind of what has gone on recently, and I'm going to go with something that happened during the Carabao Cup final, and it, it's related to the keeper Sari standoff, which I'm I'm sure we'll we'll get into kind of in more detail later on in the pod, or even one of the lads will pick that as their moment. But um, I just thought uh, Chelsea captain Cesar Aspilicueta. Showing himself that he, he's he's a Premier League manager in the making by uh, by denying that he saw the incident. I just <laughs> thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, and I, I I actually thought like it was classic Wenger or Fergie. Sorry, now didn't say it, but I I actually saw a lot of people online complaining, saying that uh he's like put trying to insulting people by saying that and he's the captain he should come out but it was like literally a minute after they'd lost the Carabao Cup final and he's a microphone stuck under his face and like he could have said something just to make it you know kick off even worse but like I thought it was the right thing to do to just you know to, to fob off the interviewer and I'm sure there was words had behind behind the scenes like I don't see what him coming out and nailing the goalkeeper when they probably didn't have a time to even really process it, considering they just lost the cup, the cup final. I kind of thought he did the right thing. I think people are, I don't know what people are talking, what do they want him to, to do, come out and slay them a minute after the cup final and just make things look even worse than they probably are behind the scenes at Chelsea, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, Colin, what about yourself? Well, I was lying there having watched uh, 118 minutes of turgid football and I was falling asleep because I had set through another nil all at Old Trafford and I was like, are we ever going to get a goal? And then it looks like Willy Caballero is warming up to come on and then the moment of the season occurs of two and a half minutes of theatre between Kepa and Sarri. I mean, look, I was thinking, oh, I won't go for the obvious one, but I'm going for the obvious one. Because <laughs> I, literally, I was lying down on the couch and I went up on the edge of my seat. It was like, it was a gif in the making and I presume I was uh, a microcosm of the, like this side of the world in general watching that game at once like I was telling people who had no interest in football about this I was you gotta watch this this is absolutely amazing and I really wish the only criticism I have of the two and a half minutes from a directorial point of view is that Sarri not keep walking down the tunnel which would have been amazing I know he it was walked. so close to going down he was so close but uh. yeah uh, he should have sparked up, lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he, initially, when he initially made the turn, right, when he went to walk down, I thought for about two seconds he was going to keep him going. And I actually <laughs> screamed myself. I was here on my own. I screamed. I was like, this is amazing. And uh, <laughs> slightly disappointed he turned back. And, you know, whatever, Hazard, great penalty, which I tweeted about. But, you know, now that I've had more time to think about it, 
It's the moment of the season. Don't even have to ask me again. <laughs> yeah, well, we will go on to that a little bit more when we start talking about Chelsea. Uh, and yourself, what have you got? Well, I've actually... Um... I've actually gone for the not obvious one this week. Okay. Um, I, I, I did think Kepa would get picked up on, to be fair, but I don't know if anybody saw any of the Newcastle game, but um, it just kind of, as a metaphor, just nicely summed up their season. Uh, you know, the first um, record signing at the club since 2005, racing clean through on goal, uh, keepers bearing down, lovely little finish, dinks it over, and it's the inside of the post. And you see him sort of panicking, reel off, trying to get the ball, and Rondon flies in hits the shot and hits exactly the same spot on the same post within the same minute of the game. <laughs> if only Newcastle could fuck that up so brilliantly. <laughs> just, it just summed up their season fantastic. Like, bloody hell, they hit the same post twice. <laughs> uh, right, let's uh, talk... Well, I was, I was going to say better news, but not really, Ant. We'll, we'll start with Liverpool because we, it's been a while since we've done the shows. I think maybe we'll just go through some of the, the top sides and just see what's happened and where they are. So, uh, goalless draws against United and Bayern since we last did the show and realistically I guess you'd probably take the draw against Bayern in the Champions League but with the injuries that ravaged that United side before and during the game would you be looking at that as two points dropped? Yeah I think you definitely have to see it from from a Liverpool fan point of view as two points dropped um, it was probably our best chance to win at Old Trafford for a while that, to be fair um, especially when the injuries just started piling up I've, I've not seen anything like that for a while in a game of football I don't think I've ever seen so many injuries in such a short space of time and it was obviously definitely disrupted Manchester United's flow because I was privately relieved to see Pogba dropping deep uh, to play number six role. I was I was pleased. I think you, you lost a lot of impetus when that happened. It's funny, um, uh, Klopp was saying, did you see this quote where he was saying that Liverpool lost a little bit of their uh, shape and idea of what they were going to do with the United injuries? I was like, come on, come on, Jürgen. I, I know, it's, it's clutching the straws down. I think he made a bit of a, a cock up bringing Sturridge on for Firmino. I didn't, I didn't see what the bloody hell that, that decision was all about as well. I mean, Sturridge has run about 14 yards in 10 years. <laughs> so so why, why are you bringing him on half an hour at Old Trafford? I've no idea. But in all honesty, I think, you know, it's the first time I've looked at Klopp and thought he might have blinked there. Um, I thought our tactics were a bit negative. I, I, I did a bit of a double take when I saw uh, Milner was in the team at right back and. I was Googling to see if Alexander-Arnold had an injury and he was just on the bench. Um, he's not been amazing of late, Alexander-Arnold. I must admit, he's been a bit sloppy in possession. He's given the ball away a few times. But he's not the only one who's done that. Our ball retention, I think it's the fifth worst in the Premier League this season, um, the stats for that. But yeah, just I was just gobsmacked to put Milner at right back. I mean, OK, he's experienced, but get Alexander-Arnold in there for, just for the final ball, just for the bit of, a bit of pace, a bit of end product. And then Henderson as well. I mean... You know, I don't think we're managing the Cater situation very well at all. He, he's been steadily improving uh, in this little run he's had in the team. You know, it's a £56 million sign and he's adapting to the Premier League and he's been playing OK of late. He's got, a, got an assist, was brilliant against Bournemouth the other day. Uh, he was half-decent against Bayern Munich as well. And then you, you've got the, one of the biggest games in world football and he's on the bench. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not one of these who just bashes Henderson for the sake of it. I think he's a decent player, but starting the midfield free of Wijnaldum, Henderson and Fabinho to me just smacked a little bit of playing it too safe and you know there was a couple of times I think in the second half Mane was free at the edge of the box and Henderson had the ball and he just he went for the safe pass again when he, he could try to find Mane and in the end the front three they, they had a really bad game between the three of them but they had no service at all so um, Is, is that what the problem was just the service coming from midfield because I think what was it one yeah. shot on target from Liverpool in that game one which shot. one shot yeah it's shocking really and it was the same against, against Bayern Munich as well really at, at times I don't think it's just the tactics. I think some of the decision-making has been a bit poor of late. I don't know why that is. 
uh, whether they're overthinking things, whether it's you know mental fatigue of the title race. I don't know what that is, um, but Mane the last couple of games, his some of his he, he's shooting when he should pass, he's passing when he should shoot. Some strange decisions that he's made, um, you know. But it's, it's as I say, it's not a disaster. Um, still top of the league. Would like to have seen us get the win. But you, you just can't help but think that we're making it hard for ourselves. Had we not have had those two draws against Leicester and uh, West Ham, a draw at Old Trafford is never anything to be sniffed at. But it's just it's just the other results that go with it don't make it an ideal result. Um, again, whether that record at Old Trafford is sort of looming large in the back of Klopp's mind and it's become a bit of a mental thing, um, I'm not too sure. But to see so many players injured and, and Man United to lose the momentum the way they did, I actually thought on the balance that all Man United were a better team going forward um, which is strange because you had no players fit um, but yeah stra- strange game of football really but uh, we go on the top of the league uh, defensively we're still very very strong F- just 15 conceded all season um, but I just think I, we've got Watford and Everton coming up now and they're not easy games um, we're going to have to try and find some way of getting a bit more creativity um, quickly uh, I-, I thought we were brilliant against Bournemouth the other day with um Fabinho, um, Keita and Wijnaldum as a midfield three. I thought you had two sitting and then Keita breaking the lines. I thought that was a really good balance. So maybe try that again against Wofford and see how we get on. But we're going to have to find a way to be, to get creative fast because uh, we, we, we're going to get caught out playing like that again with the next, the next 10, 11 games to go. Peter, let's talk about Man United then. Um, since the last show, they've lost to PSG. They've beaten Chelsea well and then they drew in this game. I suppose we'll start with the Liverpool match. Positive, right? I mean, they, uh, when I saw Matic wasn't starting and that it was McTominay in, I was thinking, oh Christ, here we go. And oh. then as all the injuries started to pile up, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then yeah. actually they coped pretty well. And as Anne said, they had the better chances in the game. They could have won it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I felt the exact same way. I was kind of, I wouldn't like not overly confident, but I was kind of confident going into the game, considering the, the form we've been in. And then when I saw the team sheets, um, that Madich wasn't in, and, and Solskjaer had said that Marshall and Lingard both had a chance. I thought even if we get one of them back, you know, um, but I, I saw we were out the two without the two of them. I thought Juan Mada in there. I really like Juan Mada. He did well against Chelsea, but I just thought against Liverpool, they're a, a very athletic team. I thought, you know, he might struggle in there as well. Um, but yeah, it's very hard to judge it in terms of a performance considering, you know, to lose three players and not only just lose three players. Marcus Rashford was, um, you know, on one leg for the, for the majority of the game. So out of, you know, Solskjaer's made it pretty clear what his first start in 11 is in, in terms of it, it just based on the teams he selected for the biggest games this year. And if you look at our front three and our three midfielders, there was only Pogba and, you know, a one-legged Rashford left Um so to, to to get a point in them circumstances was 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 more than acceptable. Um, they, United played well. There was lack of quality on the ball by both teams. Um, you could say maybe it's a little bit more understandable for for United because they, you know they had an under twenty three midfield. So, you know McTominay and Pereira and. Um, yeah, all in all, happy days. The ground was absolutely rocking. That's the best atmosphere I've seen at, at a United game. And it was a cracking atmosphere, wasn't it? It was really yeah, good. In, in a long, long time. Um, I, so, yeah, all in all, happy, happy enough with the result. I think the way things w- went, it, it's about all we could have could have asked for. But still even probably had the, the, the couple of best chances. Lingard's chance w- was very good. A, a lovely 
a lovely uh, weighted ball through by by Luca or by Lukaku, um, who who who's just hilarious to watch out on the wing because he goes from playing some nice ball. He's, he's a lovely cross on him when he cuts inside. Actually, yeah, he does. Really one, but he looks like a bumbling idiot at other times. You know what I mean? So he, I thought he killed Robertson. I thought he'd killed Robertson when he landed on him at one point. Yeah. Oh, no, How's he going to get up from that? Jesus. That's not what you want to happen. Big Rob coming oh down God. on top of you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, but like Sam, yeah, I could kind of repeat myself. All, all in all, happy enough with the point, considering. And I hope not not too many of the of the injuries are, are, are too serious because Sanchez still looks kind of... I, he put in a lot of effort, to be fair to him, but he's still kind of bang out of form and Hopefully Rashford Rashford's injury um, clears up. But I, my main takeaway from the game, it was kind of hard to judge United considering the circumstances because they were just... I don't think any of us have ever really seen that before. Three subs in, in, in the first minute when you're already missing a couple of players injured. Um, but my main takeaway from it was, was I would be really, really worried if I was a Liverpool fan because you have to be ruthless like... You know, Klopp saying, "Oh, it stopped our rhythm." Maybe he, you know, prepared to play a different team or whatever. But like, I'm sorry, man. Like, you have to be ruthless if you're playing it. Like, even us when we played when we were younger. If you see see a couple of the other team's best players going off injured, that that gives you a lift. I I don't know. Liverpool looked absolutely spooked. Um, they had no belief. And the, the crazy thing I thought about it was, Liverpool only had one shot on target, but. And I'm not saying that United didn't play well, like the likes of McTominay and Smalling and, and Lindelof. They didn't. It's not that they didn't play well. They put in a great shift, but none of them were stand out. Even you know what I mean? Um, Shaw was Luke decent. Shaw was yeah. very, Luke Shaw was very good against Salah. Yeah, but apart from that, you know, it, it was just comfortable. Liverpool were just misplacing passes. Just seemed to lack any belief or, or seemed to have no plan in, in what they were doing. So. I, I would, you know, we've talked since the start of the season. I've said it, and a lot of other people have said it, that maybe a lack of title winning experience in that in that side will come back to to bite them. And I think it's become really obvious over the last month. Uh, they were spooked in the Leicester game. Um, not good against West Ham. They, they haven't. They they need look. They're they're a point clear, so it's kind of still in their own hands. But on the evidence of the last month, I don't think that team is mentally strong enough uh, to win the league. You, you, that, if you're handed a chance, a golden opportunity to take three points against United like that, you have to take them. Um, yeah. And if you're not going to take them, you have to at least try and take them. It's, that, was, that, was, that was poor. Um, so, you know, there's no point in no point sitting on the fence. That was just a shocking performance by Liverpool, if, if, if I'm honest, even if I am a bit biased. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, really, really bad. Colm, Peter mentioned there that Sosa kind of knows he knows the team that he wants to play. He has his first eleven. He knows his midfield and he knows his strikers. Now that's going to be obviously affected by the new batch of injuries that all sort of arrived uh, over the weekend. But one man who isn't probably going to feature is Fred. I mean, he's on the bench. What? what literally, he's he's looking down through the squad and the guys he has available for him, and and he's picking Lingard, who's can only manage 15 minutes ahead of him and he's picking McTominay ahead of him to get in ahead of Matic and, and Pereira as well. That just seems like uh, well, a waste of money. It doesn't look like he's he's going to get back in the side, does he? Fred has played 62 minutes of football in 2019 and those 62 minutes all came at once against Reading in the FA Cup third round. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> like, I remember, the last thing I remember Fred doing was... Uh, 
sharing a YouTube best bits of himself on his Twitter page. Uh, <laughs> or at the end of the Mourinho era, just to be like, hey, remember me? I'm still I'm here. Good. Uh, uh, oh, geez, like, it was embarrassing enough for Alexis because yeah. like, he absolutely had to come on at the end. You know? But like, Fred is like, oh, come on, everyone's getting injured. I'm the 11th most expensive player of all time and I'm still on the bench uh, <laughs> behind our under-23s. So, um, yeah, I don't know what Fred is doing. Like, he must be, his uh, output in training must be outrageously terrible not to get on. Because, like, he obviously has ability. I heard Pep speak pretty glowingly of him uh, one or two times, like. Um, Who, So, there's obviously ability. And he scored against Wolves at the start of the season. I remember that. So, he has a bit about him. I saw him uh, a couple of Champions League group games and he... He tends to get a bit excited when space opens up in front of him and overhits passes, which isn't ideal as a midfielder. So um, I saw a bit in him, but there must be an attitude thing or something because it's not like he's been a total flap. It's just he hasn't. He's kind of been a bit nah, you know. Mm. Yeah, can I, lads, just to say, I, um, did you say Pep spoke? Uh, yeah. yeah, about yeah, it? yeah, yeah. But like, what's the story with the, like? That's now Jorginho, Alexis Sanchez, and Fred that Pep has tried to sign in the last eight, last 12 months, who've all gone on to be absolutely disastrous for the clubs that they've gone to. <laughs> oh, you know I mean? He's cast his Pep spell on them, definitely. There's no doubt about that. It was like, oh, you don't want to come to me. Uh, you'll never have a good career ever again. But he, like, he, like, it kind of goes to show Pep can do no wrong. Like, he's, uh, true, like, no uh, credit to himself. He's missing out on these players and they're ending up being hopeless wherever they go. So, I don't know, he's like a magnet for success, Guardiola, in that he makes his own side brilliant and everybody else terrible. Um, but Fred is such an odd one. It really, really is. But I actually just want to add to Pete's point there about the game. Like, it was such a kind of nothing game football-wise. I, was, I tweeted actually about the atmosphere was ridiculous, uh, especially to start of the second half, just coming through the TV. So, I can only imagine what it was like there. But we could have won it at the end. Absolutely, um, yeah, with that smalling chance, yeah. Oh, the smalling chance. I mean, Lukaku's cross was unbelievable. And small, like smalling had that kind of uh, Gaza Euro 96 weird one where he didn't go for it and kind of went for it but didn't. And it just bypassed. And if he just, like, if he just physically threw himself at the ball, uh, who knows what would have happened. And then the massive uh, own goal was, you know, it was marginally offside. I don't oh, yeah, know if you're either offside or yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was tearing across the living room for that one. I was very disappointed. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but it was a great finish by Matip, wasn't it? Bullet in the corner, but uh, but that kind of atmosphere, you know, I know it's just atmosphere, and I know it's just the crowd getting going and stuff like that. But it, it, it's it's that kind of feeling that that I haven't had watching United in a very long time, and that's obviously I think across the board for all Man United fans. With all that in mind, with the results generally going okay, PSG notwithstanding, Peter, uh, like, have you have you changed your mind about Solskjaer? Would you have him instead of Poch? Um, no, I still want Poch. Um, I think Solskjaer's, you know, I'd be eternally grateful for, him for what he's done over the last, the last whatever thirteen games. Um, you know, it's it's just been really enjoyable to watch Man United get again. Even like you look at the, the away support's always been good, but it's just been even better. The, the atmosphere in Old Trafford the other day, um, just just the the enjoyment and, and just the, the positivity of in the press conferences, everything has, has been really good. But I, I I do still want Pochettino. That's not to say if if 
if Solskjaer got it, I wouldn't be happy. You know that saying, being stuck between a rock and a hard place, is there an opposite of that? No? You know, so like it's not, I see one really good situation and the other one's good. Stuck between um, the couch and the, and the bed. Like... Being... Yeah, yeah, that's about... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think with Solskjaer, I just kind of have this nagging feeling that it would eventually run out. Um, like, we've yeah, barely exactly. even been behind in the game. Uh, I thought it was really good that they reacted well um, to, to, to win against Chelsea, although Chelsea were really out of sorts. And United were ruthless. They went after them in the first half and got the job done. And it, it didn't look like Chelsea were ever going to score in the second half. Um, I thought the PSG game was was a strange one. I was really... Um, I don't mean this. I I text Colin to say this as well. Actually, after I don't mean this in a sensationalist way, but I was a bit embarrassed by the PSG performance. Um, I just thought it was a big European night at Old Trafford, and we just never really looked like we believed in ourselves. Um, it, it was it was a very meek performance. I thought kind of a lot of the things I I said about about Liverpool. Um, which that's not trying to be like really reactionary. It's just how I felt in it at the time and. And then Spurs beating Dortmund three 0 at home the next night as well. I'm not. That's not because Pochettino's their manager. I just thought that, you know, we we really needed to be to be shown ourselves better than we did against PSG. But to recover from it so well and then to 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 get the result a, a draw against Liverpool in, in, you know, in pretty um, extreme circumstances with, with the injuries was really good. But I just have the impression with. Like, have you ever been in a job where, you know, there's there's someone there who works really hard and they got to where they are purely based on their own ability and then, like, the boss hires one of his nephews and puts him in a, at a high-up position? That's just kind of what it feels like a bit with Solskjaer. Yeah, but um, everyone loves knows, the boss's nephew uh, and yeah. the boss's nephew knows the place inside out and it's working really yeah, well. Yeah, no, I, 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 get, I, get it. I get it all, Sam. And, and he worked and there for, did work experience for ages and, like, got the best results he ever had yeah no, no listen I, I know okay right like, I, 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 know what, I know what you're saying I know what you're saying and there is kind of um, there is that kind of you know that model kind of like I suppose Bayern w- would have done it a little bit um, maybe not necessarily with their managers but which you know bringing you know ex ex players back to into roles within the club and I think that is a very good model um, and and I get like like I said I'm not anti Solskjaer or anything by any stretch of the imagination I just think Pochettino is the better long term option I think he's a better coach um, I think he's proven it over a longer course of time like, like I wouldn't be unhappy if he gets it but it's just that would any other top six club be looking for Solskjaer to be their manager? No, but they'd all, apart from Arsenal, take Pochettino at, at a heartbeat. And I, I, I don't think you, you should. Like, would, would, Solskjaer, would Solskjaer have done the job that, that he's done at Spurs? No, he wouldn't. But on the other hand, maybe just because it's Solskjaer and maybe I'll, like the counter-argument that he knows the club inside out and all the rest of it, but I don't think positivity and goodwill, it will eventually be found out, you know? Um Maybe. I mean, like, I wonder. He's done an amazing job, Sam. And I, 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 like I said, I wouldn't be too unhappy if he got it. But I want Potch, and that kind of is, yeah, that's that hasn't changed. Fair You've enough. also got as well, Pete, with Solskjaer. I know Manchester United as a name 
are never going to struggle to attract players. But I remember when Liverpool had the Brodge in charge, um, and we were going after some some really top class players under Rodgers. You know, Mkhitaryan and, and and you know Sanchez and a few of these other players. There's quite a few we went after, and they were turning us down. And and you couldn't help but think that you know had we have had a better name at the club, you know, a, a more sort of attractive name. They did want to come. I don't think you know Liverpool and Manchester United are always going to be massive names in world football. But as as you've just said, then about him being a top level coach, Pochettino has built this reputation up. I think players will know who he is. They'll want to go and work with him. With Solskjaer, as you say, you know it, they might be a little bit wary of, of going and working under him because, as you say, he's got this massive honeymoon period which he's enjoying. But if things do go a little bit west with these injuries that you've got at the moment, you know, can he turn it around? Has he got a plan B? How is he tactically? Because at the moment, everything's going brilliantly for him, but he's never really had to step in and change the game dramatically. So there's still a lot of question marks about him. And as I think a few good results are fine, but you, you can't lose sight of the big picture. And I think you, you do need a, a man like Pochettino to, to, get, to get the job there, for are, sure. Are we, not, are we not in this position almost, Peter, like you, you said on a, a pod ages back, can we stop saying the best start to a season ever now that we're like 13 games in? Can we not like? Yeah. Are, are, are we now beyond the honeymoon period? You know, I mean, he's 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 established. He's he's he has a, a sizable block of games behind him across a couple of competitions. Yeah, and and yeah, no, hundred percent. Like he has, he's done amazing. Sam, there's no getting away from it. He, he's the best record ever after ten games in the Premier League. Um, to, like really, you, you can't deny why he would get the job. But it's like my opinion is that. Do you think they'll go for for Poch? Pochettino? Is think. Yeah, and, do, and it's do just that, like... Do you think they'll even go for him? Yeah. You know, Pochettino? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure. It'd be messy getting him out of there with Daniel Levy. And, and, but I don't know. Stuff may, might be happening. Look, I, I, Gary Neville said after to be a mutiny if they don't take him on. Um, I, I don't think it, it would be... the. It would depend who else they got, whether to be a mutiny or not. I don't think too many fans would be too upset if they got Pochettino in. If they got... Some other ran, you know, some other name in that that wasn't popular. Then there'd be uproar. But you know, I, I, I kind of have a feeling. I, I we also talked about it a few weeks ago as well. Like tra- traditions and all are great. Um, but I, I and I, I don't mean to be because I already had a go at Liverpool earlier. Uh, you kind of agreed with me a while ago when we talked about this. And was Liverpool getting that in, into that loop of fifteen or twenty years ago and just referring to the past all the time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In in yeah. every press conference, Solskjaer is going, "Oh, in nineteen ninety nine, we bet Chelsea when we won the yeah. FA Cup and this and that." And I just personally think we need to make a break from that a bit. All um, in the past, and yeah, it kind of becomes like a ball and chain on the club, you know. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, but the feeling I get from him saying that is actually he's trying to remind the players what the team is and what they're about. Because yeah, it seems like no, they've forgotten yeah. that, you know? Yeah, maybe. maybe anyway, we'll but, move on. I mean, there, there yeah. will be plenty more to talk about that as the season comes to an end and as we look into next season. Uh, we'll do a game in just a second. First, though, Colm, let's talk about Chelsea. Uh, obviously, you had Sarri in the Kepa moment as your moment of the week. Uh, but Chelsea themselves, they were battered by City. They're out of the FA Cup, having lost to United. They've now lost the League Cup final and they've got Spurs up next. Is it just a matter of time for Sarri? What with the Kepa thing on top of that? Well, I don't know because I, I was saying uh, on here recently that I thought he'd go after the Bournemouth game. That was another game they got hammered. And he's just, uh, he's like a cockroach. The guy just keeps in staying. Like, I mean, how he didn't go after But I'm sure that um, the only reason that he came out post-match and played the Kepa thing down is because he's thinking about that sweet, sweet payoff. 
that's the only thing I can think of. If he if he walks away, he's losing that. And he's a former bank manager, so he know he's a smart boy. Like you know, he knows what the he knows what the crack is. And I'd say he is itching to get back home because um, even like he hasn't been a disaster. This is you know a team as well. I was talking about uh, Fred earlier. He hasn't been a disaster at all, Sari. Like he's just had when he when they've lost, they've lost very badly, and it looks terrible. But there's also been a lot of good moments that he's brought. And, you know, they're pretty decent to watch. I mean, it's easy to forget the first three months or so of the season. They were excellent. And actually, the first time that they kind of slipped up in any way was the 2-2 at home to United. Because uh, I remember going into that game, as United fans, we thought we were going to get hammered in that game against Chelsea. And it's funny, if, if they're to play each other again this week, we'll say United and Chelsea, you think the reverse. So that's how quickly it changed negatively for Chelsea. He, Sarri will definitely go in the summer. I mean, I would be shocked if he was there to start next season. Whether he goes before then, I actually don't think he will. I think he's going to stay. But even if they lose the Spurs this uh, this midweek, I think he'll stay till the end of the season because they're still trying to sort Antonio Conte's payoff. So it's a disaster. They just they have this. They're like social welfare trying to pay all these fellas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what's the, the, the alimony that Abramovich must be paying between his ex-wife and all his ex-wives oh must God. be through the roof. But just, Colin, sorry to, 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 to... You know you were saying actually about Sarri making it... He's, he hasn't been that bad. There was a stat doing the rounds, I think, last week that he'd actually won one more game in his first 43 as Chelsea yeah, boss than Pep yeah. Guardiola had. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. And what I'll be, what I'll be interested to see now with this transfer ban that they have, if their appeal uh, gets rejected, which I think it will, so they're going to be done for the next two windows. Is it'll be really interesting to see what they do with Callum Hudson Odoi in the summer, because now everything's changed a bit there in that regard. They'll do their best to keep him. I don't know what the story with Bayern is there. If he's definitely going, or if that's just rumours. It's been a long, long-standing rumour. And also Ruben Loftus Cheek, who, by the way. That touch, I don't know if he saw it against. Yeah, City. yeah, yeah. I don't know if he meant it either. If he was just trying to do a first touch that went wrong, but my God, was what I, I made a noise, an involuntary noise. <laughs> but uh, I'd be very interested to see if the double barrel boys Hudson Adai and Lafta Sheik got um, more of a look in because if they did, then suddenly you know Chelsea, even with those two guys in the team regularly, look a lot more exciting. Um, you asked me about Saris, and that's. That's the one question. And the other gaping, massive question is uh, Eden Hazard and what's going to happen with him. What's his contract situation? Yeah, it's, 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 it's up at the end of next season. So he's basically said that he won't do a Courtois. Um, he, like if he's going to leave, he'll leave in the summer. So Chelsea will still give, you know, get a transfer fee for him. So, but it all seems to be, I think it's kind of Real Madrid or nothing for him because by all accounts, he's kind of happy, not just at Chelsea, but living in London and, yeah. and that. So, and we'll see because you remember even with Griezmann, Griezmann kind of stayed with Atletico because of the transfer ban. You never know that might yeah, work. Yeah, it might work out that for both of them out. better, like just hang on another year and... Yeah, but like Colin was saying there that the, the Hudson Adoy, maybe it's a long-standing rumour. That's not a rumour, but like... Um, Bayern have openly said they want him and he's pretty much blatantly said he wants to go but PSG are sniffing around him now as well which is insane for a player who's basically never really done anything you know what I mean so um, yeah it, 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 it'd be really ch- 
it'll be really, really interesting to see how, how it all plays out at Chelsea because, um, yeah, when you think they've won the FA Cup, Youth Cup, five out of the last six seasons or something, to, to, to not have any young, to, to be able to bring any young players through is tough. But having said that, with the, the whole Hudson Adoy thing, like you have like Willian and Pedro, I know they're not in the best of form, but like they probably have about like 100 and, 140 international caps or something between them. It's not like they're just not playing them for the sake of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The, the Hudson Adoy thing there, it, it is so strange and it goes to show the power of transfer talk. Because when he was brought on as a sub in the final on Sunday, he got an absolutely massive ovation from the crowd, from the Chelsea supporters. And you'd wonder how much of that is down to this constant link with Bayern and whether he'll go or not. And how much is it down to his actual ability and what he's shown? As in, everyone's getting to this thing that he's the greatest young English player around. Like It's because everyone wants the next Jordan Sancho. That's what it is. Yeah, that's it's, it. Like yeah. it. It happens at times. I can't, I can't think of an example. But you know sometimes if... If somebody gets a player from a certain league, or like with the way it went with the French players for a while, or even like Spanish players, at Ireland, well, like with Kevin Doyle and Seamus Coleman, everyone was trying to get the next fifty thousand player out of Ireland. You know, I think it's it's just kind of because what happened with Sancho, everyone's going, yeah, geez, let's go. The Germans and and the European clubs are going, let's take some of this this talented because England have won what the Under Seventeen World Cup and a couple other youth tournaments, and they're all going, why don't we go and buy these lads? But Playing forty million for someone who's never proved himself in the first team is is bizarre. And Bayern aren't normally a a club that kind of jump into transfer. Do you, you know they're kind of they kind of go for well established players normally. Yeah, they're yeah. Kind of... They never spend. They never even spend that kind of money when they do go for those established players. Uh, anyway, let's do a quiz. It's the usual game where we uh, I name a whole load of teams that a player has played for, and you tell me the player by the team that he's played for. So we'll kick off. Uh, with a player who began his career at Dundee United. Colum. Colum. Willow Flood. No. <laughs> no. Willow. Yeah. Uh, then he went to Aston Villa. Ant. Ant. Not Andy Gray, is it? It is Andy Gray. Unbelievable oh. knowledge. Unbelievable. Oh. Wolves, Everton, Villa again, Notts County, West Brom, Rangers and Cheltenham is where he finished up his career. Uh, Such right a lovely then. guy such a lovely bloke oh yeah top gents top top bloke uh, next player began he his career he what? <laughs> <laughs> I ran away yeah uh, yeah that's your me too m- moment uh, right this next player began his career at Wimbledon Peter Peter John Fashion no uh, he did a loan spell in Sweden at a club called Gribblestad IF at the beginning of his career at Wimbledon, uh, but then after he five years at Wimbledon, he moved to Chelsea. Cullum. Cullum. Dennis Wise. It is Dennis Wise. Very ah, good. Oh, Jesus, lads yeah. are on fire. Yeah. Leicester, Millwall, Southampton, and Coventry yeah. is where he finished up his career. All right, we'll do one more then before we move on. Uh, and this player began his career at Crocken Hill. Never played for them, though, but then he went to Gillingham. Peter. Peter. Oh, no, I'm wrong. I was going to say Joe Hart. But no, not Joe Hart. Then he went to Millwall. Column. That was Column. Uh, it's wrong, anyway. Teddy Sheringham. No. And? And? It's not a Tim Cahill, is it? No, it's not Tim Cahill. No. Then he went to Aston Villa. 
Ant. Ant. Is it Gary Cahill? No. And then he went to Celtic. Cullum. Cullum. Uh, no, that's not right. No, it was not Chris Sutton. It doesn't matter. No. Uh, a rundown is Crockenhill, Gilliam, Millwall, Aston Villa, Celtic. Cullum. Cullum. Alan Thompson. Not Alan Thompson. No, no. Bolton. He was played for Bolton. Uh, then his next club was Chelsea. Oh, Peter. Peter. Pat Nevin. It's not Pat Nevin, no. Next club after that was Marseille. What the hell? Who is this fella? Uh, next club then was Nancy. Peter. 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 Tony Cas. It's Tony Cascarino. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. Nice one. It's a point apiece. Right. So we'll see how we get on uh, at the end of the show. Uh, let's go on to City then. And uh, Ant, I'll start with you. Uh, they're kind of turning the screw on Liverpool, aren't they? I mean, uh, would it be fair to say that a quadruple is on the cards? Well, it's on the cards, isn't it? I mean, as long as people don't start calling them, like, you know, what would they say, in Quadiola or something that they were going to say. Oh, it's, it's gonna yeah. yeah, It's a bit cruel to ask him that question, so <laughs> It was a bit mean. <laughs> anyway, well, what, what, what are you thinking then, Ant? Let's, let's just talk about the Premier League and the title running, because as you said, you're happy enough. It's in well, your hands. A, yeah, everyone's you know every, everyone's sort of writing Liverpool off because of the lack of the lack of mentality and the, the lack of experience, and I, I I understand the argument completely. But I was kind of rubbing my hands together a little bit with the um, with, with the cup final because was, Chelsea did what we all, all we could ask them to do. They, got, they took City to extra time in, in in a bit of a grueling game because it was it was quite an attritional game of football in a way. Um, you know, City were made to work quite hard. It was quite a ponderous game. Uh, lots of lots of sort of you know running chasing ball and sort of yeah, I, I was quite pleased to see Chelsea making them work and then Fernandinho's picked up a knock Laporte's picked up a knock so they're in all these competitions and okay they've got this amazing squad but they've lost two first team players there in in the Carabao Cup final and if Liverpool had lost two first team players in the in the Carabao Cup final I wouldn't be too happy about that so it'd be interesting to see how they get on because they had a bit of a blip last time they lost Fernandinho um, and Laporte's been fantastic for them this season so. Now, you know, I don't think we can downplay that. Okay, they're in, they've got the likes of Foden and Mares and Jesus, who they can pick on. They were fantastic players to have in the cup competitions and as second choice players. But if you're losing your first team players because they're stretched across four competitions, and it might be a way for Liverpool to, to keep that, you know, slightly ahead of them. You know, there's just no, there's no two ways about it. They've turned a corner in terms of form recently. City, um, they were, they were just on a different level against Chelsea the other day in, in the six 0 win. Um, you know they've got that experience that title winning core that I've talked about a few times on the pod um, so you know they are definitely sort of right down our necks and they've recovered really well from that blip that they had over Christmas as well so yeah they're definitely turning the screw um, you'd expect nothing less though from Guardiola's team they've got a fantastic group of players um, but you know talk about them winning all four cup competitions it might it might just take its, uh, its toll on the squad um, so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. What about it, lads? Is that too much then? Yeah, I, I think. Well, I, I think City are Guardiola. I, I think fairly bizarrely does everything he can to say that Man City aren't going to win the Champions League, and I think that's the one that they that they won't win. I, I think a domestic treble is, is is very much on the cards, but they just seem to lack a bit of belief in themselves. And so does Guardiola. Um, 
in his players and maybe even in himself because he's had a pretty barren run in the competition for, for quite a while now. So uh, I don't think they will... Um, I don't think that they'll go all the way in the Champions League, even against you know Schalke. They were kind of lucky to get out there with a, with a three-two win, an absolutely sublime free kick by Leroy Sané, um, and then a last-minute winner from Sané from Sterling, which was just a kind of long pump up the pitch, really, from Ederson, who, by the way, must have the longest kick I've ever seen. That's just another a little side side uh, little side piece of information, but. Um, yeah, no, it's weird with City because they have the players and everything, but even, the, like, you think in football that, you know, it should just be the 11 players, but for some reason, just, like, it's like because they don't have a pedigree in the competition, they just don't seem to do well there, and I personally don't see them going that far in, in the Champions League, if I'm honest. It's the same problem Chelsea had, Pete, isn't it? It's exactly the same problem Chelsea had when he got... You know, the, 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 an expectation that they were just going to walk into the Champions League and, and become favourites. But I think City have, as you said, they haven't got the pedigree, so maybe there is that complex at the back of the mind. Uh, yeah, but they Ch- definitely were a different team against Schalke, weren't they? they were different yeah, but Chelsea Schalke. were kind of like, Chelsea, even after Brambridge came in, they got to a lot of semi-finals and stuff, and, you know, it's not... Yeah, it's just, going, got to the semi-final the other year, didn't they? You know, they, yeah, they got they to the by the way, it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a team in a semi-final. I remember the game in the Bernabeu when they were just absolutely shocking. Um, and they can't kind of... Yeah, not, I know they got to the semi-final once, but yeah, they just don't seem right in the competition. I think Chelsea kind of... Chelsea felt that they should be winning it, whereas City are kind of downplaying their chances, and Guardiola is anyway. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's... Not an easy ask, is it just to go win the Champions League? And I think no, he's no. he's maybe very very conscious of that at the back of his mind. Maybe maybe he's trying to deflect a little bit of pressure off himself there as well. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Spurs then, Colm. Great results versus uh, Dortmund in the Champions League while we're talking about it. But then that was followed up by a loss at Burnley, which pretty much ends their title challenge, doesn't it? Yeah, and um, that was suit them because, you know, the delusion of being title challengers is gone now. <laughs> uh, uh, you can concentrate on the securing, uh, absolutely securing their passage into the quarterfinal of the Champions League, doing the job in Germany against Dortmund. Um, but yeah, this look, this defeat, uh, the one they had against Burnley at the weekend, that's been coming a long time, I think, because um, yeah. they've they've been like they've been so impressive, uh, scraping wins where they can. In recent weeks, like like it's actually it's an amazing feat that they have. You know, strength they always are, um, but the Burnley one was coming a long time, and uh, I honestly think it could be for the best now because they can just kind of the pressure's off them, and they're almost certainly going to get top four. It would be quite a turnaround if they didn't, and that's really what their priority is anyway. And then finally, they can move into the new stadium. And then you feel like they're properly starting a new era. Whether that would be with Patch or not is another thing. That would be that would be for all of us to see in the summer, I think. Um, but, but is there enough of a gap there with seven points to keep Spurs in the top four, or could they be overtaken by Arsenal and United? You know, I mean, is this just a blip? You say it's a result that yeah. you've seen coming for a while, but you know, I mean, well, they've got Chelsea and Arsenal up next. You know, that's not insignificant. You know, you know what they've done the last few years is that, yeah, like they, they don't have an easy fixture list after the Burnley defeat. And I wouldn't be surprised if they lost the next two games. And then what happens is talk turns to, oh, this is what happens 
when you have a squad so small, you don't sign anyone for consecutive windows. No wonder Spurs are feeling like this. Then people kind of stop paying attention to them. Then they go about winning quietly, maybe two or three games on the run. And then suddenly they're, they're in the top four because of all the good work they've done all season, which is kind of what Spurs have been doing. I think, honestly, they work best when people are looking away. And people will kind of start to look away now a bit. And it will definitely, I think, become a straight-off two-horse race for the title. And people will now, in the last quarter of the season, start focusing on Liverpool and City. So I think that would be for the benefit of Spurs. What I'd be really interested to see is how they do now in the Champions League, um, provided they get by Dortmund. I wouldn't, I, you know, funnily enough, I wouldn't be totally 100% sure that they're actually going to get through that second leg. Not quite yet. I mean, they should. But I wouldn't put it past uh, Dortmund to do something there. But they probably will get by it. And then I'd be interested to see who they get in the quarterfinal. And you never know after that. You never know what they could do. I could see them get to the final of the Champions League and lose that. I don't know about the rest of you. Uh, well, we can move on from them, actually, if you don't mind. Uh, we want to talk about Arsenal because they're actually another side who sort of seem to do better when you're looking away. Yeah, you know, they, they've starting to put some decent results together again. Um, they do have Spurs coming up, which is going to be a massive game. Um, I suppose I've already asked this already, but should Spurs be looking over their shoulder, Ant, and, and, and wondering about a return of St. Totteringham's Day, or is it just are, are, are Arsenal going for that fourth place? Now, I don't think Tottenham have, have got to worry about Arsenal catching them. There's too much of a gap. Um, and obviously, um, th- there is that sort of horrible history that they've got doing you know, all of those stupid minor gap T-shirts on and stuff like that. But I genuinely think it's different this time around. Spurs at the very best, like you're sure against Dortmund, they're an absolutely top-class side. Um, I'd be worried if I was a Spurs fan about just some of the frailties in the team. I mean, every time I've seen um, the young lad Juan Foyf um, playing the defence he's been woeful he's just be, he, he just looks so shaky and his positional play is terrible I know he's only a young lad and stuff and he's still learning the game but he just looks like a bit of a weak link in the back four so there's definitely signs of weakness in Spurs but then they've got such a stretch squad anyway so you, you, that's always going to happen but seven points I mean they're in a position where they can go against Arsenal and get a point and it's not a, it's not a disaster um, they, they want to try and win but I think Arsenal between now and the end of the season they're going to have to be almost perfect to have any chance of catching Spurs. Uh, I think even to get fourth, Arsenal are going to have to be perfect. And we've said on this part a thousand times, they, they've still got the same weaknesses that they've always had. Um, that 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 weak underbelly, that defence is so uh, so flimsy. It's 37 goals conceded. It's, it's the worst in the top six. Um, and um, Emery just doesn't look like he's got the answers yet for that back four. Uh, I think he's a top-class manager and he might actually have a really good chance in the Europa League as well. Well, I was just um, going to say that it's not really a race against Spurs. It's maybe a race against United for fourth place now, and then they're also, I guess, looking at the Europa League. Emery's uh, won it I, three times with Sevilla, so two ways into the Champions League. Are, are they... He didn't have that defense yeah. three times, did he? No, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what? Well, three or four really good teams in the Europa League this season as well. That would be my concern as an Arsenal or Chelsea fan. If if that's what they're the both putting their hopes on. There's, there's, there's like a, I think Napoli and, and Inter Milan are very strong this season, and they're both still sat comfortably in the in the tournament. So they might be clutching the straws a bit there, to be fair. But they've, they've got a chance, definitely. Uh, Peter, I'll go to you then with the other big news. Uh, B Rod is back. Yeah, 
yeah, it happened very, very quickly, really, didn't it? It's surprising uh, this. I mean, I've got a bunch of Celtic supporting friends and, and Scottish mates who, you know, when this rumour first started being floated a day or two ago, were kind of laughing it off, going, nah, Brendan's not going anywhere. But no, yeah. you know, just, just the, the lure of a, of a middling to half-decent uh, mid-level Premier League side was enough to whip him away from title-winning Celtic. It's weird. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I, I think um, there was there was a lot of talk that he 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 would stay in Scotland to be the first manager to win ten in a row. They're on seven at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers is is an extremely talented coach, and he's only forty five, which is like a baby age in in managerial terms. Um, yeah. I think the fact he talks a lot of utter bollocks a lot of the time. <laughs> makes people kind of you know don't take him as serious but he is a good coach and he gets his play his teams playing very good attractive attacking football um you know my aunt might have mightn't be too impressed with some of the defensive displays that he had his live uh his liverpool team playing uh putting on but you know i, I think i think leicester's a pretty um good proposition or, or, or opportunity for for managers there kind of have the seventh, eighth best squad in the league. You know, outside of the top six, there's not many better squads. They have a lot of talented players. They, they have, you know, the, the board have proven that they're prepared to spend money. I'm not talking, you know, 50 million on a player, but like they're prepared to, to spend money in the transfer market. Again, probably seventh, eighth biggest transfer budget. Um, I think the only... I think the you know if you look at the likes of Madison, good players, Damari Gray, talented, and Didi, excellent, and I think they thrive with a manager like uh, Brendan Rodgers. Whether Jamie Vardy, who seems to have a lot of power at that club, um, yeah. I'm not sure that's I'm not because Jamie Vardy wants Jamie Vardy. I don't think will be happy unless another manager comes in and basically plays on the counter attack with him up front and just pumping the ball over the top. And I don't think that's that's a good thing but uh, you know on, on the flip side Jamie Vardy is what he is at that club you know he, he kind of was a major part in the win the league and you know turned down the move to Arsenal and all so he obviously holds a lot of sway but I think it's a really good move From I'm surprised he moved so quick when I, when I saw that he was in talks my initial thought was he'll take over at the end of the season you know mm. um, I'm surprised and I, I'm surprised it happened so quickly and he's in the crowd tonight they're 1-0 up actually as we're on air Um. But yeah, I, like I think I, the, the next um, for the next uh, episode of the pod, I want to bring back one of our original features. Remember, we used to read we used to read out quotes in the accent of the person that did yeah, them. Yeah. So for the next episode, we're all going to pick our favorite Brendan Rogers quotes because there's some absolute classics that he's come out with over the years. <laughs> uh, so yeah, good coach, and he he, he a bit a bit more a bit of entertainment because you. Even though he's only up in Scotland, you don't see the news as much. So there'll be loads of entertainment uh, to get from him being back in the Premier League, and I think he'll, he'll do he'll do a pretty decent job. So uh, yeah, I think it's a good move by Leicester, and, and it's a, it's a good move by him. Um, so yeah, fair play to him. Okay. I actually Leicester have become the team I can't stand this season. I don't know why. It's just why because they drew with you at Anfield. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They've got such a good team, and like they've got this core, this core group of players who've down tools about four times in three seasons for, for three different managers now. And if I was Rodgers, I'd be very wary of that. You know, Ranieri won them a league title, which they had no right to win. Then they down tools for him, and then you know Shakespeare came in, 
you know, from the pub or wherever he was before, and he he, he got the job. <laughs> and then and then Claude Puel's got in there. He's a good manager. He's a good, you know, and and they've just completely down tools from that performance against Crystal Palace was a disgrace. Um, you know, like, senior senior players all over the pitch letting him down. Hanny Maguire, what was he playing at? Absolutely was talking awful. Neil Lennon lads last night, and I was thinking, Jesus Christ, he'll be around Jamie Jamie Vardy's gaff sinking Skittles vodka to beat the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Vardy having a party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right then, we'll go on to prick of the week in just a second. But first, we need to settle and find out uh, who's won this week's game. So it's a point apiece, uh, and if you need a reminder, it's basically I'll say a whole load of neat teams that a player has played for and the lads will identify the player by the team that he's played for so the next player began his career at Lazio Peter Peter Roberto Mancini no uh, he then had a loan spell or actually in the middle of it had a loan spell at Ternana uh, but then he moved to Juventus Ant Ant oh, no, I think I've completely bollocks this up no it's not it's not Buffon is it no 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 Colum no. Cannavaro nope went from Juve to Napoli Nobody? Okay, then went from Napoli to Milan. Ant. Ant. Not Roberto Mancini, is it? It's not Mancini, no. Peter said that I one said already. That already. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So Napoli, Milan, and then went to Celtic. To who? Celtic. Celtic? Yep. Call him. Call him. Paolo Di Canio. It is Paolo Di Canio's. Well yeah, Fuck. Uh, Sheffield, Wednesday, West Ham, Charlton, Lazio again, and then Cisco, Roma. Uh, right, we'll move on. That's a point for you. Uh, I should probably just end it there, but we'll carry on. I don't know how many more of these I have. Uh, the next player began his career at a club called FC Zvole. That's Z-W-O-L-L-E. Yeah, Yeah. Nobody? Peter. Peter. Will Van Nistelrooy. No. Uh, then he went to a club called SC Cambuur. No. Then he went to Willem 2. You'll have to do that in Dutch for us, Peter. Uh, Willem 2. Oh, Willem A. Close enough. Close enough. Uh, then he went to PSV. Call him. Call him. Philip Taku. No. Went from PSV to Man United. Peter, 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 Peter. Yapstam. Peter. It is Yapstam. Very yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesus. Oh, so that's... Point for you, point for two points for Ant, Colm. Two, 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 yeah, two, two for you, yeah. two for Ant, one for Colm. Oh, fuck's sake. No, no, it's two, it's two for Colm. Two for Colm and one for Ant, and once. I always mix, mix you two up. Don't know why. Uh, right then, next player began his career at Wren. Peter. Peter. Patrick Vieira. No. Then he went to Deportivo La Coruña. Colm. Boy McKay. No, actually, he never played for Dep- Deport. Then he went back to Wren on loan, but before going to Bordeaux. Call him. Johan Gorkup. No. Went from Bordeaux to Arsenal. Call him. Call him. Sylvan Wiltord. It is Sylvan Wiltord. Oh, he ah, was determined. He was ah, determined man. there. <laughs> All right, boys. This next one is the decider, okay? They this, can only drop you. Uh, you're, all, you're all on two, right? No, I'm on three. Oh. <laughs> what? I was hoping you just start going. You, just, you really should start writing down scores. Listen, <laughs> lads, I, I have a newborn. I haven't slept in a very long time. <laughs> you're, like, you're like when Graham Pohl showed free yellow cards in the world. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Colm is the winner. It's yeah. over. I'm taking the ball. I'm leaving. <laughs> Go on, Mike. Uh, 
Cole, <laughs> congratulations. You're the winner. Well done to you. Uh, it's just time for Prick of the Week. Peter, who have you got? Yeah, well, I think this is the benefit of being asked <laughs> first. Uh, and yeah, it took very little effort on my part. It's got to be uh, it's got to be keeper, the Chelsea goalkeeper. Um, yeah, that, that was just absolute madness. Um, like, I, I, I can get the whole, like, I'm okay, all the rest of it. Um, but, but they're refusing to come off. Like, if, if, if he was injured and he and that wasn't getting communicated, all he had to do was kind of run over and, and tell them, look, I'm actually okay, you know what I mean? Instead of just staying, you know, 60 yards away, 70 yards away, whatever it is. So it was a ridiculous carry-on, and, and Sarri was already in, under enough pressure um, that that kind of hardly helped as well. So And plus, it's kind of spoiled it, because I was kind of hoping that, you know, it looked really, like, it could have been a great move even tactically like you know Willie Caballero coming on against a group of players he used to be teammates for for the penalties he would have taken they would have been taking pens against him um, in training and it would have been like you remember Van Gaal did it in the World Cup yeah yeah was it the quarterfinals he, yeah, he yeah. Took, put Tim Krul on instead of Jasper Chilison, the goalkeeper has never saved a penalty so um, yeah he spoiled the fun keeper and just yeah, made made like Colin said, the moment of the season almost. So uh, ridiculous carry on, keep it. Sorry, mate, but you're a prick. What a prick, Colin. Who have you got? Well, I was lying on the couch watching 118 <laughs> minutes of Persian football. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's only one lads. Come on, but I want I want to also put him into my lovable prick of the week. Kepa, because it just made me laugh so much. And then also his wink to the camera. Oh, yeah. Uh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so I, I'll actually put him in the prick of the week for that little wink. Fair enough. Fair enough. And have you got anyone else? Um, No. <laughs> just literally nobody else. It's unanimous. It rarely it happens. Move on. It was just an absolute... And the fact that he let that penalty through his hands as well. Yeah. It was like a yeah. like, yeah. foil like like Dudek when he's like he had very you know, just through his fingers it was bloody audible. Um yeah, just just awful to undermine a manager like that on such a big occasion as well. Just an absolute prick. Yeah, yeah. Kepa, what a prick. Right, that's it from us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next week, hopefully, with more regular podcasts coming up. Uh just time to say thanks, Peter. Cheers, lads. Enjoy that. Thanks, Colin. Cheers. Thank you, Ant. Thanks, for lads. Cheers. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.